I'm Gab. He's Jules. Gray and rainy skies over yeah. West London, possibly because there's no league football uh, this <laughs> weekend. Um, probably. Uh, Jules, we still have a ton of stuff for you to talk yes. about on this show. Always. Lukaku to Napoli to Harry Maguire. Yay. Wow, that's why they get people so drunk. No, don't worry. Don't worry. We got, we got Lionel Messi. We got uh, Joe Felix. We have a ton of yeah. good things to talk about. But let's start with a person who's leaving the scene. Yeah. Eden Hazard. Um... He announced his retirement. We knew it was coming. Obviously, his contract expired at, at Real Madrid. Can you just kind of put it in context for us, please, Jules? Uh, for me, it was one of the um, the greatest players that we've ever seen playing in the Premier League in England. I think he was uh, an absolute bowler. The technical ability, of course, the pace, the low center of gravity, the skills. He was a sh- he was a showman, really. I think he, he always saw football, and certainly the, the times are had a chat with him, that I spent with him, was always, football is fun. It should always be fun. We should be playing to have fun for fans to watch a fun game. This is, this is the way he was. He hated training, of course. Yeah, I mean, there's, apart from playing and, and dribbling, there was not many things that he liked about football, to be fair. So uh, for me, it's a sad day because he's the kind of artist that you want to see in the game. And of course, he was 32 and way past his best in the last four years in Real Madrid was, were a nightmare for him. But if you think at Hazard at his best in Lille, in Ligue 1, where he walked over the league, at Chelsea, where you've Two seen... Two-time player of the year, and he, he left, 16, I think, when he yeah, was like when he started, he was 16. He, was, he looked already like the best player in the league. He was amazing. And then at Chelsea, where you saw more than me, I just, I just think he was an artist, and it was, it's sad to lose players like him. I think that's undoubted. Um, obviously, I thought it was interesting when you talked about the, the artistry of it, I, Obviously, very good genes because both his brothers, professional footballers, but both his parents, top flight uh, footballers as well. And he literally, you know, the house that, where he lived, where, where he grew up before he went and joined and went across the border to join Leo's Academy, yeah. um, literally abutted the training ground of the club where his dad played uh, at the time, which I find I find remarkable. Um for me, what stands out about him, and I mean, we did a video which earned me a ton of abuse for suggesting <laughs> oh. peak uh, Hazard was greater than, than, than peak Sala, but, or prime, sorry, Hazard, whatever. I took it to mean like one-off game, who would you rather have, but whatever. For me, it's a toss-up, right? So like, please, no more abuse. But what struck me about it, juxtaposed with Sala, perhaps, and I think there's, there's a broader issue there. This is a guy who was at the top when he was super, super young, and then tailed off. You know, maybe there's even a parallel with Wayne Rooney there. Different reasons. To, but, 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 you know, the fact that he'd achieved so much by the time he was 25, 26, 27, that then he moves to Real Madrid and it doesn't work out. Salah's kind of the opposite, right? In the sense that, you know, Basel gets the big club moves to Chelsea, doesn't work, Fiorentina, Roma, does well. And then he meets one manager, um, Jurgen Klopp, and he has that stability. He has a tremendous system. And the talent that was there before, he harnesses it and becomes absolutely devastating the way Salah's been. I feel like Hazard didn't have that, but maybe it wouldn't have worked the same with Hazard precisely because, as you said, he was probably more of a free spirit in that sense. Yeah, after this, free spirit is a good word for him. And that's why there'd be clashes at times with Mourinho, with Conte, with Sarri, with, you know, with those kind of managers because Philippe Luis was telling a great story the other day that before one of the games in the dressing room at Stamford Bridge, Hazard was playing Mario Kart on either Nintendo DS or phone, whatever. And the fitness coach was saying, OK, boys, in 10 minutes, we go out for warm-up. And Hazard was still in his track suit, not even, not got changed, playing Mario Kart. 
Then the guy says, come on, five minutes, guys. Eden, please. And he was like, yeah, 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 I'll be fine. And then when he was about to go out, Hazard was still playing Mario Kart. He was Kart about to get a high score. That's understandable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Hazard said, you know, you, you know what going to happen. You give me the ball and then I will do the, the business. And I know it, it might sound arrogant and certainly not very professional, which I understand. And Eden himself would say like, yeah, yeah that's the way you approach the game. He was not professional. That's why every summer he would come back, report for preseason overweight, because for him the holidays were sacred, and the barbecues and the chips and MasterChef. So, which is fine. It's just a different approach to a Cristiano, to a Messi, to an Mbappe, to a Haaland. It's very different. That's why I like the the free spirit uh, qualification. I was struck by how, you know, for all his technical ability, he also had an athletic ability. And I don't mean athletic because, as you said, like he then maybe always take care of his body the way he might have. And this is apart from the injuries, which are a different chapter. Mm. Uh. But the way he was built, he was built for a certain type of football, right? Uh, he was short. He was actually really, really powerful. Yeah, his um, legs and his, his bum. Built so low to the ground. That close control, I mean, operating in tight spaces. I didn't want to say he was the best of his generation because then people are going to remind, apart from Messi, because people are going to remind me of somebody else. But it was incredible yeah. how, I mean, when people talk about ball stuck to your foot and eyes on the side of your head, that's um, him. that was him. You know, talking about unplayable at times, Koscielny still talks about the goal that Hazard scored against him and Arsenal that day where he ran half of the pitch with the ball at his feet and you could not touch him, you could not come near him. They, it's almost like he made the ball disappear at times. And I just think on those days, and you could always argue was the enough of those days. I mean, his stats for Chelsea are pretty good for, for a winger in terms of chances created. Nobody In his time in the Premier League, nobody created more chances than him. He still had goals. Plenty of assists as well. There was all the dribbling and everything. But that, that goal, I think, sums him up well because he could... He was at the time a team player, so you could, you know, he would, he would make this team click and work. But I think often he was like, give me the ball and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do what I do best, which is take on players, defenders, go, either score, assist, but do that on my own if you want. And that goal, the goal against West Ham, the goal against Liverpool, for example, especially, where he does all that work on the right-hand side on his own and then it's an amazing goal. This was, this was Hazard's best. I think there's, uh, I think there's, there's an element of that when you talk about you know him doing work on his own. Um, I think a lot of that comes down to you know where you fit into the team and how the manager sees you fitting into the team and and what the manager's idea is. Um, I was thinking back, and I may be getting this wrong because I'm going strictly from mem- memory, but I'm, I think he arrived uh, the year after Chelsea won the Champions League, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So he had Roberto Di Matteo in, who yeah. didn't last very long. No, and then. It was Rafa Benitez for those six months, and it was very much like, okay, results-driven, yeah. results-oriented, right? Yeah. Then you went from Rafa Benitez to Mourinho, who, of course, is all about beautiful football and patterns of play. <laughs> yeah, okay. as we know. Um, but And then you went to Sarri, who is about patterns of play. But if you remember that season, and, and when, when they made the run to Europa League, yeah. halfway through the year, Sarri was like, all right, screw this. You just want results. I'm yeah. going to leave at the end of the year anyway. Yeah. So, you know, Chelsea, at the latter end of the year, the, the, the loft of street Chelsea was all about, um, you know, defending. Yeah, productivity. And, yeah. And productivity, right? Yeah. I do wonder, you know, had there been, had he had a different managers, maybe at a yeah. younger age. I'm, I'm thinking back to when he was at Lille before that, he had Rudy Garcia, who 
maybe not as stereotyped as the other ones. Probably still maybe putting results over patterns of play. I, I remember that, that that team. I think it was he had, was playing behind Musasau and uh, and Gervinho. If I'm yeah, Gervinho on the other wing. Gervinho was on the wing. He had Rio Mavuba, the man who yeah. will forever go down in history for the fact that. On his birth certificate, it literally says he was born at sea. Yeah. I love that. Which he was. Which he was. Yeah. I love that. Um, you know, in those contexts, the idea of, okay, well, we're going to keep it tight and our attacking play is going to counterattack and give it to Eden, wait for him to do something, wait yeah. for him to get fouled, a set piece, something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's not a criticism. You have to no, no, you but that was the point. You're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah. If he'd been coached by Pep or Klopp, I don't know if he would have worked, but he might have become an, an even better player. And, you know, and you, you contrast that, and I go back to the Salah thing, but Salah early in his career, when he was at Fiorentina, when he was at, um, when he was at Roma, certainly, that was kind of the that was kind of the plan. It wasn't like, hey, Mo, you counterattack here, you do that, you carry, you, you go, you press there. Yeah, no, it was tight, win the ball, two passes, let's release him into space. When the other team parks the bus, it's okay, get the ball to Salah and see if he can take people on one on one and make something happen, right? And then he underwent this transformation. And maybe it's also the fact that Salah was older when he. Started working with Klopp, right? Maybe, yeah. Um, and so maybe it more that that maturity to understand what this system could do for him, and so in this fantastic longevity. Hazard, I kind of feel he had so much so soon, both in terms of success and in terms of money and what was expected to him. You were never going to change that, were you? No. So you mean what? Going into Real Madrid then after that? Well, even even before That's one of the Madrid, why- even, I mean, I think even when Sarri took over, or even even Mourinho, when Mourinho, you know, this some of the classes with Mourinho were over the fact doing work off the ball, and I could imagine Hazard saying, "Like, just yeah. say, don't 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 break my balls here, okay?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's true. But then the 2014-15 season, when he's voted PFA Player of the Year and FWF Player of the Year, he's he, this is maybe his best season. That's that's the Mourinho season when. You so, know, I'm not saying he wasn't productive, no, 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 but I'm but, saying he was doing something completely different. It was all. Well, it was, I think it was the individual. Was, the, but that's that's. So I agree with you. But that's why I think Hazard was a genius because even with those very conservative managers, very result-driven manager, he was still amazing. So if you play with Pep in that Messi that that Messi Barca team, like a like a Neymar, let's say. And would have won all those things. He would have played great, but would have said, "Okay, yeah, but that fitted so well." His kind of dribbling attribute, right. philosophy. Well, you know, he had fun. It was great. But for for him to put those performances in the best league in the world with those managers, who, let's be honest here, are just not really hazard compatible because this is not his football. Mourinho is nowhere near his football. Sari a bit more, but like you said, the Sari that we saw in Napoli didn't really work. Conte is not. Conte is certainly not. Benitez either. They're not hazards. So when you say it's not his football, you say that because he wants to play attacking football, right? Yeah. Uh, and he wants more of the ball and so on. But the reality is the managers who play, not all of them, but the managers who we mentioned, Pep, Klopp, and so on, who play that brand of attacking football, it's not the attacking football of committing everybody forward and passing the ball around a million times. Yeah, no, bodies. but it's attacking I mean? football, yeah. which is based around pressing. It's based around work. It's based around discipline. It's still attacking football, right? Yeah. I mean, Leroy Sané, but, I think, is is a good example of of him at Manchester City, where you know 
he certainly had his moments and he's shining now again at Bayern or whatever. But there was a transition because Pep doesn't just say, oh, look, Jeremy Doku, you could dribble everybody. No, no, no that's They'll true. just get you the ball and do true. that. And we'll You're have right. a million that's people true. around you, right? That is true. Hey, so but you it's see always my point, the individual though, versus the collective. Yeah, yeah, no, I, no, no. I think that Fair dynamic would have, still, would have still been there. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's go to the Real Madrid move because even at the time, a lot of people said this, and you know there have been various reports about the fee. Later, you know, one fee was reported. Later, I mean, some reports say it's as much as 130 million euros. Yeah, whatever that number. If was, it's 100, 130, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of money with one year left on his contract. He had a year left on his contract. You yeah. absolutely nailed that. That has got to go down as one of the worst deals that were ever done. When you consider his age, yeah. some of his injury record, which are which you know had already manifested itself at that stage. Yeah. It just didn't make any sense whatsoever. It wasn't the quest for another Champions League because they'd already won their, you know, their their their, their decima at that point. Yeah. Um I think the eleventh and the twelfth one as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 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 because he won he um, won the thirteenth. I mean he yeah. won. He got the medal. <laughs> yeah. Um how do we explain that? So he Did says you... the the injury against PSG in the Champions League the Thomas Meunier tackle. I mean, I don't think Meunier means it. It's just Hazard is too quick. If you don't remember, Meunier is behind him and the PSG goal is behind him. He goes kind of, Demi is going to the left and goes right and it's far too quick and Meunier just hit him on, these, on the right ankle with his right leg. I think Meunier is trying to maybe get to the ball. I don't know, but it's just too quick. And this is obviously a terrible injury for him, an injury that I don't know if he was badly treated or if he didn't heal well or if the setback but when you put a hazard a small feet really small feet and when you put a piece of metal because that's what they, they had to do because the injury was so bad in the foot and the, and the ankle I don't think you ever get the same flexibility in the way you, your, right. your foot moves the way you even probably feel the ball and for me, I'm not trying to find excuses of why it didn't work out over four years because of that injury quite early on in his Real Madrid career. Uh, because I think com- reported for your first ever preseason at Real Madrid, overweight like he was, was not acceptable. And I think they never forgave him for it. It was all over the papers, which he was very surprised about. I remember talking to him about it. Because in England, every summer he was overweight and nobody was never said anything. But Real Madrid he took those proportions and I don't think he ever recovered from it. And that's why I put in my, the piece I wrote for the website about, about Eden is that I don't think Madrid overall, the media, the fans, the club, really forgave him about, hang on, we just spent 100 million on you and you come back six kilos overweight? No, no, this is the biggest club in the world. We don't do that here. And kind of that shows us that the lack of professionalism that you have is an issue here. I don't think he ever recovered from the battering that he got for it. And then the injury happened. And after that, I, I really wonder, Gab, if there was a just... I don't think there was a way back because his foot hurt him pretty much ever since. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's one of those things where we're never going to know. We'll never have, like, the counter-argument. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think that, you know, players who have this tremendous athleticism, the, 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 the speed, this flexibility... Inevitably, they generally have to adapt their game when they get older. Um, Salah, yeah. again, a good example yeah, yeah, of that, right? right? To, to, to maintain the same levels of, of effectiveness. I know, right? but is 29, 30, 31 he, that he old? Was, 
It's not 35, 36. No, no, but what I'm saying is at 28, you're not going to have the recovery time and the acceleration you're necessarily going to have earlier, right? You're going to have to... He had the technical ability to adapt and to become something else, right? And there's a reason we see Messi. We haven't just seen Messi walking around the pitch now. We saw Messi walking around the pitch when he was in his late 20s. Young Messi didn't do that, right? Um, Mike, what we'll never know is, had he not been injured, would he have adapted? Because I think he would necessarily have needed to adapt. Because you can't ask him to be Vinicius, which is essentially, I mean more technically gifted uh, than Vinicius. But, you know, that same first step, that, 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 that same quickness, that same squirting out into spaces the way he did, he would have had to rely more yeah. on his vision, on his passing ability, which were both exceptional, and, other, and his ability in tight spaces to create space for himself. He was convinced that La Liga was for him, really. And Real Madrid was the club he always wanted. That was his dream club. Zidane was the manager at the time, who was his idol growing up, of course. So he made so much sense for him. He didn't really care so much about yeah. the transfer fee and coming after Cristiano and wearing the number seven and all of that. I don't think he cared about that. He really believed that was right. And the fact that he still, he will live now in Madrid, he will stay in Madrid with the, his wife and the five children, shows that I think he was happy there. He, happy in Spain, happy in Madrid. It's just... On the pitch, we never saw it. And it's, it's really sad, I think. All right, final word on him and his international career. Obviously, you know, there's been so much talk about the golden generation. Um, is he kind of the, the face of it in some ways in terms of the promise that was great and ultimately didn't... I don't say didn't deliver because Hazard obviously delivered and he delivered a ton. Yeah. But it was almost like there was like a vertical rise and then a stop. And I kind of feel it's a little bit like that with Belgium. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like a, some sort of glass ceiling. Maybe Euro 2016, I think, was the one for them. It really was. That quarterfinal against Wales, I was, I was there. I was at the stadium. It's a game, especially when they took the lead and he scored that first goal. The, it's almost hard to explain how they how they lost that game. It was, it was an amazing performance from the Welsh. Don't get me wrong. But after that, it was Portugal in the semi-final and after that, a final against, I mean, France, had they made it or, you know, whoever. But I felt even more than 2018, although they were good in 2018, the Brazil game is amazing in the quarterfinals, the semi-final against France. They felt, they felt like they were the better team. I was there again. I, I didn't really feel so. But the first half was very impressive from their point of view. Fair to say that's a game that could have gone either way. Yeah, true. Yeah. true. And it goes either way. And then they have a World Cup final against Croatia. Yeah. Which, yeah, no, exactly. You know. So I don't think they were far. I, I, maybe psychologically there was something. But I saw Thierry Henry this week. Um, and he, he said this about Hazard. He said, when Thierry was with the national with Belgium... He would sit on the bench next to Roberto Martinez, and at times they would, he would watch Hazard on the pitch, and Eden would would get the ball and and start doing something, and Cherry would Cherry and Cherry said, "I would be like, what the heck is it? What the heck is he trying to do? Why is he doing this?" And then let's say five seconds later, whatever Eden had tried to do had worked out. He's done it, and then Cherry would go, "Oh yeah, okay, okay." <laughs> You're right. And that's Eden it, making the the impossible possible. Yeah, and then the and the imagine imagination and creativity yeah. to his game that 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 is often lacking in among in, in the game today. Maybe, maybe that's why he strikes a chord with so many of us. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, enough hazard. How about some quick hits? Let's go, Gab. Fabrizio Romano reports that Lionel Messi will not be oh. considering a loan deal to Europe or Saudi Arabia even during the MLS offseason. Jules, are you surprised? <laughs> I mean, we love Fabrizio here, of course. I could have told you the same. Like, why would Messi go on loan to either anybody anywhere in Europe for six months or to Saudi Arabia? To do what? Maybe he misses high-level football. Really? He hasn't he's had high... been injured. He needs a rest. He's 37 years old. He's... Maybe they'll pay him no a lot chance. of money in Saudi. He doesn't need any money. He doesn't need anything. He needs his family. Rest. Enjoy Miami. Go back to Argentina. See everybody. Do whatever you want. Get the sun. Get a tan. Don't play football. It's the... It's the, it's, it's the break. Well, if we'd gone on loan to Newell's, that would be cool. No, we'll go to New Orleans after Inter Miami another right, okay. season and that's it. Like, come on. Romelu Lukaku says that if people really knew what happened to him last summer, they would be shocked. And there were moments where he felt, and we quote here, that he was about to explode. Gab, are you ready to be shocked? And what do you think the shock would be? Well, first of all, I, the shock's not going to come for a long time because even though Romelu came out and he said, like, oh, as you know, I'm not somebody who beats around the bush and I'm very direct and very clear. But I'm not going to talk about this because I want to focus on football. It's a okay. small bush. All right, yeah. So, exactly, <laughs> it's a tiny bush. So, basically, like, uh, yeah, I'll wait until you retire and then you can tell me what happened. Yeah. Um, shocked, whatever. I don't know. Like I said, I, I've said all along... What he did to himself last summer, and by the way, before people come out, oh, you still think we race? I said he was one of the biggest losers of the transfer window. Uh, and, you know, he's doing well at Roma. People say, oh, can you still say he's the biggest loser because he's doing well at Roma? Uh, yeah, because if going to Roma had been his end game, he would have gone to Roma in, in June, yeah. had a proper preseason, fit into Jose's systems, and so on. So it's not like he becomes a bad player. It's just that he's put himself through this, and he's burned bridges left, right, and center. Um Whatever it is, I'm sure he took it badly, but I hate it when people come out and say stuff like this and don't tell us what happened. Either shut up and focus on the football. Yeah, we know. It was traumatic <laughs> for you, right? But what could it be? What, that Chelsea made it difficult for him to move? That when Inter came knocking, they, Chelsea were not helpful? Is that, what, is that the shock? What, what, what well, could it be the shock? It's possible that Chelsea and Inter are all lying, right? And they're all lying to everybody. And only Romelu's t- telling the truth. And it was Chelsea who pulled the plug because, haha, we want more money for... Everybody says they had the deal in place. The agreement was there, right? 
yeah. 101. Could they all be lying? Yeah, it's possible that they're all lying and the only people telling the truth are Lukaku and his lawyer. Possible. <laughs> possible. Right? Possible. But then tell us if that's the case. Yeah. Harry Maguire says David Beckham gave him a pep talk during his difficult moments at United. Uh, he also says that... I'm sorry. I mean, this is just... He also says that he won't accept playing just once or twice a month. And if this continues, and I quote, I'm sure me and the club will sit down and have a chat. Hey, Jules, was it the time to have this chat in the summer? I think the, the chat has been long due, maybe even 18 months, not just the summer, a year. I mean, I, I, you know, I've told you before, I just don't think Harry Maguire, every time he opens his mouth, is helping himself. Full stop. Because there's another line where he says, hey, I haven't played much, but my win percentage is super, <laughs> super high. Yeah. Which is like, I don't know, the Mourinho no, toolbox no. Where, where something is bad and we say, Harry, you know you're terrible and you, you, you can't play in this team. You're not good enough to play for United anymore. He said, maybe, but hey, when I play, my win percentage <laughs> is great. Okay. Um, listen, I think David Beckham is a really nice guy. And... He'll give anybody a pep talk. Exactly. And Whoever plays for fan, United is his club. Yeah. You know, right. it would be you, me, yeah. my mum, Harry Maguire, anybody. Right. I think they become say, hey, listen, keep but, working but hard. Can I be cynical yeah. about this? One of these two people has a documentary series out on Netflix, <laughs> yeah? Okay, just checking. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, Harry Maguire not moving, not moving clubs in the summer was one of the biggest mistakes he's ever made. And maybe he's going to play a little bit I, now because they've got injuries at United. I, I've given him the benefit of the doubt for believing in himself. This is what they're trained to do. I don't have a problem with it. But you can't come out and say, oh, but if I don't play, uh, we're going to have to have a chat. You had a chance to have a chat this summer. Exactly. You, you know, what are you going to chat about, right? You, Ten Hag's made his feelings. Rightly or wrong. United don't want him there. Unless you're waiting for Ten Hag to be sacked and then maybe somebody else comes in. I don't know. Maybe Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is coming back and they'll start playing McGuire. They don't, don't want him there. They say, like, oh, please let me go. We'll we drive you anywhere, <laughs> Harry. More United, Gabi David De Gea is back in Manchester, supposedly to clear his old, his, uh, to clear out his old house. And he also posted a picture of himself having lunch with Sergio Regulon. He was at the Champions League women's game between mm. United and PSG. Do you think it's a sign that he's coming back? What, is the uh, Manchester United back up to Mary Earps in the Manchester <laughs> women's team? No, we're just kidding. Um, no, it's, if he was coming back, he probably wouldn't be clearing out his house. Uh, I, also, I appreciate you're having lunch with Sergio Regulon. What, what is he? Is he taking over from John Murta? Is he like the new director of football? The liaison officer. <laughs> if you need anything, just call me. He's got time on his hands. Exactly. He's uh, no, look, I think it's very simple. They, they moved on from him because he wouldn't take a big pay cut. They were willing to keep him at on certain terms. Just because Onana's having a difficult time doesn't mean they're going to throw all this out the window. Definitely. Um, he's going to have to lower. He's going to have to lower his salary demands. Uh, if he wants road back into football and he wants to play football again. And I expect that he will at some point. Yeah. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Premier League Chief of Referees Howard Webb came out and said Mateo Kovacic should have been sent off for that tackle on Martin Nudegaard on Sunday. Jules, you were yeah. in assignment on Monday, but yeah. I assume you agree. Yes. Most people do. How do you feel about Webb speaking out like that? Do you like this transparency? So I, I think we're going to disagree on this. I love Howard's. And I'm all for transparency. I think he should shut up now 
and sort this mess out because since he's taken this job, the refereeing in the Premier League has been the worst that we've ever seen. Really, Gab. So I'm all good for him to talk, but I would rather him not to have to talk because that would mean that the referee were good. They're not sure. good. And he's there talking, saying, yeah, we made a mistake there. Sorry. How many times are you going to say sorry? So, first of all, I, I can assure you, somebody who's watched Premier League football for a long time, this is not the worst. Right. That it we've feels like seen. there's a lot of apologies. The first mistake was Loads of apologies. horrendous. You know why? Because before, they never apologized. Because before, Maybe. people said, oh, it's just a game. Move on. Oh, the referees. Don't talk about referees, right? He's talking about them. I love the transparency. I love that he's talking about it. Yes, would I prefer that his referees didn't make mistakes? Sure. Yeah. But he has not been in the job that long. He's inherited a bunch of people. He's been able to remove a bunch of people. He can't clone and then make referees out of clay, uh, nor can he run back on the pitch and officiate himself. So at least we have a dialogue. At least we have transparency. At least... We don't have this culture of of, of omerta, as as they used to, as they say in Sicily, where like we don't talk about it and then we don't generate headlines. Well, I would rather less talk and more efficiency from the referees anyway. My boy Rudy Garcia is having a tricky time in Naples, Gab. Most of Wednesday was spent reading about how Antonio Conte was on his way. It looks that it won't be happening, but still massive pressure on the Rudy. Do you think he makes it until the end of the week? I think he does. I don't think. I think it. I think if they were going to make a change, I think it would have already happened at the start of the break. Um, he's definitely under pressure. This Antonio Conte thing, by the way, was was pretty ridiculous. I rarely do you see such a public situation where it's almost like hour by hour we know where Conte is, we know where De Laurentiis is, we know when they speak to each other on the phone. It's pretty obvious that De Laurentiis wasn't going to take Conte, yeah, um, because Conte makes you spend a ton of money. Because yeah. Conte not the easiest guy to deal with. I don't know that stylistically he's a fit with, with, with the football that yeah. Napoli play. Um, so there's 101 reasons why it wasn't going to happen, why it would have been a really bad choice for, for Napoli, in my opinion. And just, just the chemistry Conte de Laurentiis. For Rudy Garcia, he's taken on the tough guy disciplinarian approach. <clears throat> the problem is, if you're going to do that, if you're going to take the players on, you have to win. Yeah. And he's not winning. Definitely not. Jenny Hermoso testified to the prosecutor in the Luis Rubiales case, and Jules, her words were pretty harrowing. She says she hugged Rubiales and said, we've done it. And he says that the victory was thanks to her, and then he kissed her on the lips. She doesn't remember anything else after that. She said, quote, I didn't expect it. I didn't do anything to land myself in that situation. How could I expect it in that scenario of a medal ceremony at a World Cup final? Absolutely. I think she's... She, it's... Even embarrassing for her to have to explain it like this. And I know she has to. It's a case. Uh, we saw Vilda you know, trying to defend himself, saying that he didn't put her under pressure. But we know that the Federation, Vilda Rubiales, put her under a lot of pressure to lie and to say that actually she was okay with the kiss, that it was only a kiss, that it was fine, that she was okay. All of that. And now for her to have to go through back all of this, when all she wanted to do was enjoying an incredible World Cup win, is... It's devastating, really. And to explain, to have to explain herself too, to say, like, no, I didn't want anything of it. I was just there, happy to celebrate. And he did, he did what he did without her I, consent, clearly. I, I think hugely significant is if any part of the Rubiales version of events, let's say, were, were true, Jenny could take a step back, almost like, you know, at this stage, he's gone. That's not not coming back. This is this is actually the the criminal case here. Yeah, you know, she could she could be softer here uh, if she felt that. That's yeah, what yeah, that's what you mean. Because she's 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 had her goal, right? Yeah, reform or whatever. He's gone. 
Um, the fact that she doesn't do it tells you that she's still pretty rattled Definitely. by what happened. Yeah, many are taking it as a done deal that the 2034 World Cup will go to Saudi Arabia. But your old pal, former Inter owner, Eric Tohir, might have a different idea. Yeah, big Eric. How about that? So basically where we are is FIFA have said, okay, where we have rotation, 2026 is going to be in CONCACAF. Uh, 20, 2030 is going to be in Comebol, Africa, because uh, Morocco get a, a slice of the World Cup in Europe with Spain and Portugal. 2034, we're open to bids from Asia and Oceania. Now, Oceania is New Zealand and nine tiny island nations. Yeah. Um, so they're not going to do it on their own. Uh, Saudi said, okay, we'll do it for Asia. We can do it by ourselves. I think it's interesting and significant. Eric Torrier says, well, wait a minute. There are other countries in, uh, in Asia. And he's talking about involving Singapore, Malaysia, yeah. Indonesia, Australia. If he's smart, he'll rope in New Zealand. So that, of course. You know, that'll tick... Uh, FIFA's box and say, look, Arvid's the only one where we get all confederations involved. Yeah. Oceania's never had a World Cup um, a World Cup game. Not one, right? No, no. Men's, I mean, Women's World Cup, yeah, but not Men's But yeah, not, not Men's World Cup. So uh, he's going to try this. If he gets the right money, the rest political will about it, I, I think it's also a challenge within the Asian Football Confederation. Are we all going to get behind Saudi or are there people going to stand up to him? I would imagine as we speak, yeah. He's lobbying the other big hitter, hitters, China, Japan, Korea, the other countries with money in the region who, who might not be as aligned with Saudi. Maybe even Qatar, too. Wow. So, hey, guys, how about you support us? Let's see. Copa in Spain reported Fede Valverde and Eduardo Camavinga have agreed to contracts with Real Madrid. Nobody's going to argue with that. Are they, Jules? No, definitely not, Gav. I think for Valverde, it's up to 2027 now. For Camavinga, 2028. They are the future of Real Madrid's yeah. midfield. There's no doubt with Jude Bellingham and Aurelien Chouameni. So it makes a lot of sense. You do it early, nicely done, perfect. By the way, when you see people say like, oh, they're going to have a billion euro release clause. Any, yeah, any, any ever, can times. I just say this to all my colleagues, anybody out there who reports on release clauses of a billion, just don't. You're being <laughs> unprofessional and you're being stupid. Reports in Catalonia said that Barcelona owe other clubs more than 200 million euros in unpaid transfer fees in installments. This is a big deal, right? It's a big deal because they have a lot of debt, but we know that. I mean, yeah. this all goes into the pot of major debt. It's not like we owe you. It's not like they said, oh, look, you know, we're going to pay, oh, Leeds, we're going to pay you, you know, 60 million for Rafinha. Uh, yeah, checks in the post. Ha ha, psych. You know, no, they <laughs> agreed to pay these in installments. These are monies they have to pay. Presumably they're accounted for in Barcelona's books. You would think so. It's a big deal because it's a big number. It's not a big deal in and of itself because this is how business gets done. Yeah. Wayne Rooney is back in England, Jules. He'll take over at Birmingham City after a stint at DC United. You excited? I know, I'm not excited about when Rooney coming to the championship. No, maybe I'm going no. to wish him well. But you know what I'm excited about? What? December 16th. Ooh. Birmingham against Leicester City, which is the Wagatha Derby. It's the Rebecca Vardy Derby. It's, oh, yes. It's Jamie Vardy against Wayne Rooney. It's Colin Rooney against Rebecca Vardy all over again, man. I'm hyped and I'm amped and I'm Me so too. glad you didn't mention that Birmingham, Birmingham City <laughs> part owner whose name is banned from yes. the show. According to Bill, Xabi Alonso reportedly has a clause in his contract that allows him to join any of his previous club where he played as a as a player. That's interesting. Yeah. It's weird. So obviously it's Liverpool, Real Madrid, Bayern, Real Sociedad, and he was on loan at ABAT. I don't know if they're included as well, if that might interest him. Obviously, this is just relevant in the context of Real Madrid, I would hope, because Klopp's going to stick around at Liverpool and Bayern have Tuchel right now. 
Strasbourg supporters are still angry at their club being owned by Todd Bowley and Chelsea oh, yeah. Jules. Uh, there have been protests, and now this statement, quote, we don't want the incompetence that reigns at Chelsea, our so-called big brother. That's right. And we said before that the Strasbourg fans are pretty hands-on. They're some of the best fans in France. The ultras especially amazing. And someone told me on Monday, since Chelsea took over Strasbourg, or Strasbourg, whatever you, where you want to put it, um, one person, one guy, has come over to watch a Strasbourg game in Strasbourg. And I'm not saying they don't need to be there every day, every home game. Wait, wait, sorry, sorry, sorry. So, so Bluco... You're, you're saying that basically Chelsea's... Um, Chelsea's technical department... Yeah. Don't have people or, monitoring the players in Strasbourg? No. Or, Not in person, anyway. Or at ownership level, or just as a courtesy visit. Hey, you are a club, you, you belong to us. We're just going to come and have a look... Go into the offices, say hello to staff, maybe the tea lady, the the, the the intern that does the photocopies. I don't care. The players, maybe Patrick Vieira himself, but no, they don't even show up. So what? What is this supposed to be? What you just use us to loan out some players to us so they get used to European football and then they go back to they go to England? What's what is this about? Because right now there's no relationship between Chelsea and Strasbourg. There's no relationship, and I'm not saying that the City Group. Every day there is somebody from the city group that travels to every club. I'm not saying that. But right now, this is, this is just we own you and that's it. We don't really care about I, it. You know my thoughts on multi-club ownership in general and how it's so hard to make it work. This is one example. Yeah. What I'm, I'm going to push back slightly on the um, Strasbourg, Strasbourg fans, though, because it's one thing to say, look, we have our own history. We have our own pride. We don't want to be owned by you and just be a feeder club for Chelsea, right? Yeah. I get that and I can completely respect that. But the way it says, we don't want the incompetence that reigns at Chelsea. So what? So like, if they were competent, you would want them? You'd be happy to go and play second banana to Chelsea if they were competent? I if it was Manchester City, you'd be happy? Yeah, but it'd be less bad. Now they don't want an owner. And then on top of that, that owner is incompetent. All right. No, fair enough. I just think, you know, some integrity here. But whatever. UFI have done a U-turn on allowing Russian teams to play in under-17 competitions. Are you surprised? You've said it a long time ago that they were. I'm not surprised that they did the U-turn because there was such an outrage, um, you know, such a backlash from people. So many teams saying, "Well, we're not going to, we're not going to take the pitch." Yeah, I'm a little disappointed that they're saying, "Oh no," because the logistics would be difficult. Yeah, if, if by logistics you mean that you know nobody would turn up, no people wouldn't turn up <laughs> to play against them. Yeah, sure, it would be difficult in that sense. But you can't bring up logistics when you've got, you know, you got Ukrainian teams in the middle of a freaking war yeah. traveling to Germany to play games, uh, Russia, which is largely not affected in the same way, obviously, that Ukraine is. Um, so, no, they, please don't bring this up. Please just say, we made a mistake. We thought it would be good to have them back. Nobody likes the idea. Hey, maybe next time we put it to a real vote rather than, a, okay, this is what we want to do. Everybody vote this way. There'll be it's no right. trouble, right? Uh, it, right? And then this also underscores, by the way, one of the failings, and this is true, I'm not picking on UEFA because the same thing at FIFA, probably the same thing elsewhere too. If you have an executive committee, they have to represent their constituents. They can't yeah. just be in lockstep all the time. You have to have serious discussions, hopefully transparent discussions. You know, if you put it to a vote, it's okay. If you put it to a vote and it's 30 to 25, that's fine. Motion passes. But they should act more, I think, like a Congress and less, so, less as like, you know, a bunch of guys who who ultimately go with whatever's decided at the yeah, top because you don't have checks and balances that way. Definitely. 
Former Uruguay coach Diego Alonso and former Inter Miami coach. See, I, I, yeah. I, who plays for Inter Miami? Lionel Messi. Messi. There you go. The go. more Lionel Messi references in the show, uh, the better, of course. Uh, he's taking over at Sevilla for the uh, sack Jose Luis Mendilibar. Good choice, Jules. I'm not too convinced, I won't lie. I mean, the Diego Alonso that we saw with Uruguay didn't last long to start with, didn't no. really do a good job either. They wanted Marcelo Gallardo, we know that, it was yeah. too expensive. Everybody staff. wants Marcelo Gallardo, it's always too expensive. Yeah. I'm seriously wondering, how much well. money does Gallardo have? I don't know, but well, <laughs> why would you like, you know, discount yourself or, you know, you, you, I guess he's got expensive, and maybe Gallardo didn't really want this job either. I think it's more that, yeah. yeah. Um, so we see it's, it's not an easy situation, I think, because they're not playing well. They've got the Champions League, which I think is taking a lot of energy out of them for the league, which is still the priority. So they uh, still finish third in their group and win Europa League. You know that, right? Regardless, yeah, who's in charge. Maybe not this time. Maybe not this time. Um, by the way, Diego Alonso, uh, he has a long, he's got a long club career, but I don't think he's ever managed in Europe. When I think no. that comes into it as well. Yeah, yeah definitely. Gabriel Vega says that he did enjoy the Saudi League for the money, but he was the best option, Gab, to develop as a player. Does his nose get a little bit longer when he says this? Or, and shall I laugh now or wait for your answer to laugh? He's downright Pinocchio. It's, I mean, come on. It's a little bit like saying that, you know, Craig Burley doesn't do segments he doesn't like on the FC show yeah. because he doesn't get paid for them. No, look, dude, I, with all, okay. You want to work with Yaisler, he's good, blah, blah, blah. You can work with Yaisler at some other point in your career. Um, this, I, I'm, this is just pulling people's legs. Like, no, this is the best place for me to develop. Well, based on what? To develop what? Develop your bank account? You were one of I, the best youngsters in La Liga. Listen, I don't have an issue with somebody saying, hey, I'm 28, 29 years old. If, if I'm Milinkovic Savage, right, who could still do a job in Europe. Yeah. And he says, you know what? I've made a good living in Europe. Um, obviously, you know, my dad was a footballer. So, you know, I, I don't come from nothing, but I have a chance to really move the needle to get long-term security, not just for myself and my kids, but my grandkids and their grandkids. I want this. Or if you're older, or if you're in Golo Kante and says, I'm a Muslim, I want, I want this experience as well. Yeah. This rounds me out. Max respect. But, but to come out and say, this is the best place for a young player to develop, Really? That is <laughs> absolutely on, stupid. Timothy Castagne had some interesting things to say about his teammate with Belgium, Thibaut Courtois, and talk of him coming back when he recovers from his injury, which won't be till the end of the season. Yeah, so remember when there was a big clash between Tedesco and Courtois? Courtois not happy that the, the armband was rotating between him, the Brun and Lukaku, so he didn't, sh he didn't report back to the training ground after the first game in the international break. Well, Castagne said... I think he gave an interview in La Dernière Heure when he said, like, well, I don't think he should come back then because what he did was really unacceptable. Clearly, yeah, I think Castagne, on the back of that interview, got, got proper stick, maybe from Courtois, from Tedesco, I don't know from who, because he, he kind of, like, um, backtracked, backtracked, backtracked yeah. a lot uh, when, he, when he did one of the press conferences with, with Belgium by saying, you know, actually, maybe, you know, what I said was not uh, in the right context, completely, basically erasing what he said before. I can see his point of view as a, if you're a player and if you're Tedesco, you would be really disappointed that someone like yeah. Courtois reacted like that previously. But he's still, on, he's still Thibaut Courtois. You know, it's going to be a long, long time between before Courtois is called up to the Belgian national side again so because he's injured. 
best thing you can do if you're Castagna is say, oh, it was disappointing when he left. Yeah. But I'm not the coach. Exactly. It's up to it's up for Courtois to sort out with Tedesco and do what's best for both of them. I know. I know, completely. UFO officially confirmed what we already knew, Gabby, that Italy and Turkey will co-host the Euros 2032. But Gab, does UFO boss Alexander Seferin was not so complimentary about the stadiums in Italy. I mean, at least he was honest. He was honest. Look, I mean, <laughs> apart listen. from Juventus. Yeah, look, there are other nice stadiums in Italy. It's not just Juventus, but okay, they're not but large enough to... Yeah, to, to the, that's what I mean. Yeah, look, I... I know why Jeffrey said this. Jeffrey said this because if I say the stadiums, okay, you can have it, but you have to upgrade the stadiums, then, and he says, then the government, I think he also said, then the government needs to get involved. Yeah. This is an age old thing. Obviously, you want the government, puts the government under pressure to get involved and spend money on these stadiums. You know, Hopefully, there's two strong projects already in place to build stadiums uh, in Milan and in Rome. And then you throw in you know, the, the Juventus Stadium in Turin, which is ready. Then you're at three, and then you kind of see if you can find two other ones. So you've got nine years. I mean, nine years, yeah. Now, the the big thing for me is these are club stadiums, right? The modern game, and, and we, we've seen this. We, we've seen this in Russia. We've seen this, at, um, we saw, certainly saw it in Qatar. We saw it in, um, we saw it in Brazil, even, and we saw it in South Africa, right? Last four yeah. World Cups. How many of those stadiums are legit club stadiums? Not many. No. Not many. Um, I don't know. When governments build stadiums, they build stadiums for major competitions. It's it's sponsors. It's this. It's that. It looks shiny. And then it lies empty. I don't know if the government's business should be building stadium. I would like the private sector to do that. What the government can do is they can remove a lot of the red tape. Yeah. And I think it's important that they do that. But whatever they do should be based upon what is right for the football club that's going to own the stadium and that's going to play in the stadium, not for this the three games at Euro 2032. I think that's I absolutely agree. critical. Yeah, definitely. Former Brazil boss, Chiche, one of my favorite people uh, in the game, is back in football having joined Flamengo. Jules, great to have him back. Great to have him back. I mean, it's one of those when he said, oh, yeah, I retire after the, the Qatar World Cup. But he, those guys never retire, let's be honest. And... He's replacing Jorge Sampaoli, who obviously was sacked from Flamengo. <laughs> and I just talking about going through like one personality. Exactly. I mean, you can't. It's it's great for Chichi, and I. I mean, we both really, really rate him anyway. So you think he's going to be successful there? So that's that's great. Let's see how well. He does. I, I don't think, off the top of my head, I don't think he ever managed in Rio. I don't I think, think he only so. ever worked yeah. in Sao Paulo. Barcelona Vice President Eduardo Romeu says that Joe Felix has taken a significant pay cut to join them on loan in the summer. Can this isn't something that we see often, actually. No, we very rarely see it. Apparently, um, he's only costing the club, but he said 400,000. Like, uh, really? It's, well, you'd have to double that, eight two, because obviously he speaks in net terms. It would be yeah, around 800,000. really low. Wages. I think Joe Felix has made enough money. Now, what's not clear to me is that salary then being topped up somehow by Atletico Madrid? I don't know. Um, you know, if it's a pay cut, it's not really a pay cut if Atletico Madrid aren't topping it. You know, yeah. you know, because you make the same money. Um, and also there's no loan fee, apparently, from what was reported. If this is a case, I tip my hat to you, Joe Felix, because Very it's cool. nice to see people put their money where their mouth is. I know. Because I'm cynical and I know who represents Joe Felix and I know about the Antu <laughs> Fati side of the deal. Yeah. I don't know if his money's coming back to him somehow. Something but, happened. Um, but no, look, he's been phenomenal and I, I'll apologize again. 
I was wrong. He's been fantastic so yeah. far. Yeah. I, I put him second. You know, uh, last night on the UFC show, brief digression, I was asked to make the you know far too early top summer transfer uh, market assessments of, of winners of best yeah. deals, best value deals. I had Joel Felix at number two. Who was your number one? Well, Sergio Girassi, of course. Nine million euros. He scored 13 goals. Oh, he's, he's almost scored more goals than Mbappe and Holland put together. Come on. I know, I know. In seven You're, games. There, there's no question. No yeah. question. Marco Verratti says he chose to move to Qatar rather than stay in Europe because he's Parisian now. Oh, and he couldn't bear playing him. against Paris Saint-Germain. He said he was there a long time and he's going to retire in Paris. Jules, he's one of your own. Oh, he's one him. of your own. I love Marco Verratti so much. From Pescara to, to Paris in 11 years. What an incredible... An incredible guy. I love that interview in L'Equipe where you took the quotes from. It's, it's just great. I'm sad he's leaving. I can understand from a club point of view why, I guess. I love the fact that he didn't want to play against PSG ever. I think that's to his credit and he's a, he's a great man. And he would be missed. He would be missed. And every time that PSG don't score, for example, or lack, lack a bit of creativity, we say, hey, you see, if Marco was still there... Because Verratti instead of Vitinha. By the way, do you understand him when he speaks French? His French is good now. So it's easier to understand him. Because yeah, when he yeah, speaks in Italian... I know you always said... I have a lot of trouble understanding what he's saying because he has such a thick accent in Piscata. Yeah. Really no, I mean, ball. I've obviously never spoke to him in Italian, only in French. Right. And yeah, the, yeah, the French was good. Bless him. His wife is French too. People in Zaghi is back, replacing Paolo Sousa, Salernitana's boss. Gab, the bottom of the table. Uh, Why is he taking this job? Uh, because he gets the right agent in Serie A. Because know, he was already... Yeah, I know, but... It's, it's people in Zaggy, man. I know, it's, but... It's he's sex, yoga, and rock and roll. He's going to face his brother, who's going to smash him, and then, oh like... My God. You know what? He said, like, oh... He's like, you know... He, funny, in his press conference, he says, you know what? Like, people people ask, like, why did I take this job? People like Jules yeah. ask, why do I take this okay, job? People. people ask about how, how impossible it is. You know what? I like challenges. I scored more than 300 goals in my career, and, and people said that I couldn't trap the ball. So, you know, that's what I'm all about. Okay. So good for him. Yeah. Good Come luck. on, good luck to him. It's new age people in Zagi. Good Sex, luck yoga, him. rock and roll. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. More rubber stamping from UEFA jewels. Uh, Euro 2028 has been confirmed as the United Kingdom yeah. and Ireland. It'll be the first Euro played across five different nations. See what I did there? Ah, uh, see what you did there. Well, I'm more interested because we knew this was going to happen. Obviously, all five nations who are Europeans. Mm -hmm. Well, well, but no, but yes, yes. They're all UEFA members, yes. So usually you qualify straight away when you are the host of. Uh, the competition, like Germany, for example, mm -hmm. now you know that you don't you play friendlies, but you don't play qualifiers. However, they might have to play qualifiers, right, in 2028, because they can't. You can't just all say that they all qualify. Is that right? No, they should all qualify. We should have. We should have. But I like the qualifiers. What? I like qualifiers for club for teams, even if they're hosting. 
yeah, but then what happens if they don't qualify? What happens? Something happens, and and Scotland don't qualify, or 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 whatever. Well, like, the Scots can still watch football even if Scotland is not. They probably would still watch football. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't know. I just like that. I've, sometimes I've never really understood why. Just because you host it, I mean, you deserve to be in it. No, it's because you generate enough money from no, local sponsors uh, and stuff like that, and. Hey, it would be pretty cool. Like, if you're Northern Ireland, like, think about it, right? You're Northern Ireland. I'm assuming Belfast is gonna. If if you go into qualifying for whatever reason, you don't qualify, right? I, I mean, know who's gonna go to Belfast to watch a game between Moldova and Poland. I guess but, all the poles will live in. But Ireland, even if Northern Ireland qualify, who would go to watch Moldova? Well, the people Poland, Northern Ireland would go and watch. Those but games. they still would do even if Northern Ireland was not qualified. I don't know. Because they would still know. get it, even if they were not qualified. Good news for Jose Mourinho and Roma. Paulo Dybala's injury is less serious than first feared, and he could be back in a couple of weeks. Huge news, because like I don't want to say they're Paulo Dybala dependent, but until he gets those... And he's, he's look, he has a ton of other options yeah. up front, right? Because, you know, he's now has Asmoon and Lukaku. And, and uh, the one thing I don't want is hear him talk about, I don't have any strikers, yeah. I don't have any strikers. Enough, right? You've got three of them, plus Dybala, plus Luca Pellegrini. And Tami will come back at some point. Uh, Lorenzo Pellegrini, sorry. Um, but that said, um, Dybala is the guy who unlocks things for you. He's your value added. So it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. And if they're going to scale back up the table, he's going to be a big part of it. Let's talk Women's Champions League. Uh, it's still the qualifying stage before the group stage, but Manchester United hold Paris Saint-Germain to a 1-1 draw in yeah. Manchester. Yeah, in the We're first not... leg in Lee. Is that what you say? Lee? L-E-I-G-H? Lee, I assume Lee, so. Yeah, yeah, that's where the game was. That's I mean, the they, like, these leg. people love to have names that, like, right, you're, you know, they, you're supposed to pronounce, look, you think you pronounce one way and then they're completely different. Yeah, um, yeah. But, no, I believe that's Lee is right. correct. Yeah, Lee is right. First leg, 1-1 draw. Kind of disappointing for PSG because one, they took the league. Two, they battered them in the first half. But Mary Herbs kept it out. Mary Herbs. And then uh, Malar, who's French, obviously, who scored after coming off the bench for United, which at least gives us a really good second leg. Interesting second leg. I you still... don't seem concerned. It would be pretty... No, no concerned. It would be pretty big shot. My girls, my girls are going to do it. Mm-hmm. But... I would have rather them winning 3-0 that first leg and then it'd be over already. Also, for those who don't follow women's club football at all, Manchester United, big name and everything, but they are not a traditional power in They're the women's indeed. game. Traditional powers might include Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester City, correct? Yeah, exactly. And shout out to Paris FC, who drew 3-3 with Wolfsburg in Paris for the first leg. Wolfsburg, who were obviously the finalists last season. So there might be an upset on the card there for you, Gabby. Lazio fans have been... Bad, bad, from travelling to Rotterdam to face Feyenoord in the Champions League. Gab, do you understand the decision? 100%, I understand it. Um, and I think this is more to do with the fact that Feyenoord always get barred when they go to when they go to Italy. And then yeah. they still show up anyway Somehow, and yeah. break things. Yeah. Um, 100% <laughs> guaranteed that they were going to be barred. Uh, stop, uh, Feyenoord fans were going to stop and try. Yeah. For, for, but I don't even think... With Feyenoord, I look. There's always obviously potential trouble between the two sets of fans. It's more the behavior of the Feyenoord fans every single time they've come to Italy, and in fact elsewhere. Right? They go, they sit on like the historic fountains. They go and they pee on them and they break them. And I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's more that than trouble that they might cause in the stadium. This is not like an Eintracht Frankfurt situation last year. Lazio fans, of course, there's a portion of them that love nothing more than a fight. So this is just a bad idea. I, it's sad that we have to play games behind, yeah, yeah. you know, barring one set of fans, but I, I see 
see no real alternative. It's not the first and not the last time. Stephanie Frappard will become the first women, woman to take charge of the men's yes, game that's right. at Wembley. This is a big deal. It is a big deal. I think she's breaking all the records and I, I really like her. Some people might not like her refereeing, some others do. I think she really makes mistakes, to be honest to her, with her. And, and, and I like that she keeps breaking down the bias of sort of equality, you know, and all of that and genders. I think it's great for the game, it's great for her, it's great as a role model for young women's referees, for referees full stop all around the world. I think this is really good, so I wish her really good luck for that game. I would say it's not a big deal at all. Um, because she's already shown that she's a top referee. She's refereed bigger games than yeah, this. But it's a this is just a friendly. It's another buyer down. Just oh, it's like Wembley. It. Big deal. But it's, yeah, still. It's you just like, told me women have already refereed at Wembley. Wait, yeah, this is a freaking still, friendly a game, game between us. The fact that no, no, women's, no women's referee has refereed a man's game at Wembley before. Okay, but she's first. refereed a man's game at a men's World yeah. Cup. So yeah, to no, me, that's bigger than breaking down barriers by officiating. Still, I like friendly. Every first that she breaks is good. Carlo Ancelotti received an honorary degree from the University of Parma. He started crying because that's what he does in those moments. And he says it's a genetic thing. Does this, mess, does, does this make him less of a man? I would argue it makes him more of a oh, man. Exactly. It makes him, we love like, him even more. Him and Hong Min Son. I don't know which one of the two cries more, right? Is it just true? But uh, true story. Like I, Some years ago, I did, a, I did a documentary on the great Milan sides and I, I was in the studio. Um, which is me, Carlo Ancelotti, and Enrico Sacchi, and they replayed other, replayed images of the past, and Sacchi's kind of explaining in extreme nerdy detail about all the stuff he does, and, and Ancelotti's crying. Oh, and Ancelotti's no, crying. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, he was managing Chelsea at the time, and I'm like, really? And he said, like, oh, it's genetic. He said his dad cries. He said his, his grandfather cries. He says that his daughter cries during big moments. He says there's obviously a crying gene for yeah, men who get emotional. And that's fine. And obviously, Hong Min Son has the same one, too. So nothing. And Carlos said that he might ask his uh, Roman player to call him doctor. I would love that. Dr. Carlo. That's yeah. lovely. Man. It's PhD now. Absolutely. Oh, no, no. Andros Townsend hasn't played football since March 2022. And in fact, I, I personally thought he had retired. <laughs> Me too. Uh, but no, Me too. he signed a contract and will join Luton in January. I know. Good for him. Good for Luton. They have Ross Barkley and Tim Krul as well in the like a, kind of an old Premier League guys that we all forgot about and we thought had retired. Is Koscielny retired? Sorry? Is Koscielny retired? But you brought him up earlier, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's another possibility. I mean, I, I just don't know. Andrews Townsend, I'm sure, is better than some of the players that they have. They play with wing-backs. Can he play wing-backs? You play him a bit more centrally because of the experience that he has. And uh, you would think the technical ability that he has to keep the ball a bit... I don't know. To keep the ball or just to belt the ball from 30 yards out, which is what... Oh, for set-pieces because he's a good set-pieces taker and they're clearly very good because they're, they're big and strong. I, Maybe. Does he change the needle? Does he move the needle for them? I, I'll say this, and this is a theme for me, and I'll be writing about this at some point. It's, it is like the frog in the pot of water that's heated slowly. The absolute <laughs> imbalance in resources that exists in the game is a major freaking issue with all these clubs that have, I mean, Luton, you look at their wage bill, you look at their potential. You know, know, they're, they're here on wow. merit. So they go up and we say, well, actually, you know, you don't have enough money to go up. No, they have enough money to go up. They earned their place to be here. 
we have to think about ways to make this game, I think, a little more rational. How? Where they For a team start. like that, that goes up. And you need a body, and they get this guy off the street who doesn't kick the ball in two years. He's probably better than most of the people they already have there. But what? So you, you, loan, you loan them some money so they can spend in the summer? Maybe you look at the way... Maybe you just have a major rethink about... I'm not saying you need to have a, 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 a wage cap necessarily, but you just think about this because this is not normal. It's not normal teams winning leagues with 100 points, not normal the same team winning every year in Germany, not normal the, the you know, people, Man City won, what, five of the last six? But if it's not yeah. them, it's another team with a similar wage bill. Every week, every week these people think they're like, oh, we're so clever, and more on fans too. Like, oh, look, we're so good. I'm like, dude, like, no, seriously, no, no, like, uh, you're in a tank, the other guy's on a tricycle, and you run him over, and then you go and you beat your chest. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And we just take all this, we take all this stuff for granted. No, no. Sorry, sorry. No, no. It, it's an issue close to my heart. Reports in England said that Newcastle are looking to expand the capacity of St. James's Park to 65,000 seats, which would take it second biggest stadium in the Premier League behind Old Trafford, of course. It makes sense. Yeah, if, if, if they it. can fill it, and I'm sure, you know, uh, I'm sure they can fill yeah. it. Um, absolutely. And I also think it's important because, um, you know, they need to get some money back. They, they are, you know, we've talked about how their investment's been rational. They've been running it as a business. They're not behaving like the Saudi Pro League. But equally, you know, they want to maximize their investment. And it's not just about maximizing investment. It's, it's giving more Jordies a chance to go and see... Been going watch Newcastle, so I'm all for this if they yeah. can get it done. What I'm curious about is, and it looked like they have a project to kind of expand both ends, um, maybe one at a time, if it happens. Is how can you do this without disrupting, you know, because obviously you're playing in the Premier League and the Champions League. Yeah. You know, can you do this in a way that where you only have to maybe occasionally close that stand because of construction or whatever? Um, but like, no, like I, Liverpool did. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I think it's great news if they can do it. Yeah. UEFA have confirmed that Israel's away game against Kosovo, scheduled for October 15th, will be postponed, just like their home game against Switzerland. Um, I guess it was inevitable, right? Yeah, you're right. The right decision, the obvious decision, uh, Gav, the most logical after everything that's happened in the last few days. I think the Switzerland game is today, as we well, was supposed to be today as we record uh, the show. Um, so, yeah, right decision and find another day to play those games. Reports in Argentina suggest that Inter Miami will go on tour to China and Japan to play friendlies in the off-season. Are you happy with that? Well, it's interesting because it's the off-season. I don't think Messi can be forced to go. Um, it depends how they play it. Because they're talking about doing the two... Because the, 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 the report I saw was... And like, this is not anything they've announced or confirmed. It's like what they're planning on doing yeah. or going to try to do. Was that, oh, look, well, we're not in the playoffs, so... Let's go on tour, right? Um, if they can generate money and help pay for Messi's uh, salary and that of Busquets and Jordi Alba, fine. Obviously, Messi's going to be on board with it. And also, obviously, Messi's going to want his taste of the pie, too. Yeah. Uh, I think, understandably so. If yeah, it does yeah, yeah. Remember the Mary Earps England women's goalkeeper shirt fiasco yes. where she complained that you couldn't buy an England women's goalkeeper shirt? Yeah. Well, Nike decided to finally put it up for sale and... And Mary Earp says it's sold out. It's also yeah. on the England uh, website. The FA website. Yeah, on the England like um, sh website shop, e-shop, whatever it's called. You can't, yeah, you can't get it anymore. They went really quickly, apparently. I mean, we don't know the numbers. We don't know how many were available. Yeah. And I think also the people who did buy it, it's not like they bought it and then Amazon's going to deliver it tomorrow. It's like there's still a way for them. Yes. I suspect 
I think there's more to the story we know. I suspect Nike's making them kind of the on almost, purpose, like, almost bespoke yeah, for the people who order them, yeah, yeah. which obviously cost them a lot more money. If there's sufficient interest, then I think they'll make it more widely available. There's no reason it should be shouldn't be more widely available if Nike deems that it's something that, that, that is, they can sell. You know, other goalkeepers whose teams are sponsored by Nike didn't get theirs on sale either. So. Right, they don't complain as loudly as many exactly. Europe's. I guess. Gab, 133 people, that's 133, attended the Saudi Pro League game, so in the top flight, between Ariad and Al Ahud. More shocking than that is the fact that despite the massive spending and all the top, top players arriving in the summer, attendance in the league, in the Saudi League, are down more than 15% from 10,200 to 8,500 average per game what does this mean i think it means that all those people who were like oh look it's going to become the biggest league league in the world all of a sudden because benzema and conte and ronaldo are here it's not that simple it's not yeah. that easy you're not this is a country which already knows football it's a footballing country it's not like all of a sudden you're going to generate hundreds of thousands more saudis who are like oh look you know uh Jordan Henderson's here. Let me go out and support Al Etifak. He played in one game where the attendance was, was less than a thousand. Yeah, I, these are knowledgeable fans, and I think the big clubs, you know, the the, the ones who've gotten the money, Al Nasser, Al Etihad, and so on, those guys are are drawing big crowds. And by the way, we're not talking seventy thousand. We're talking like twenty, thirty thousand, forty thousand for some games. But the other clubs just didn't get to spend any money. Who's going to go watch? Who's going to go and watch Alok Dude? You know, when we haven't had any money to the same people who were there last year, right? Yeah. Um, I think if they are treating this as, can we create a viable business out of this? Still, for all the talk of globalization and commercialization, your single biggest driver is still your domestic market and your domestic gate receipts and domestic sales. And if you can't get it up in those, you know, across your league, you're going to have a problem. No, I, I, I think BIF is going to look at this and say, all right. Is this good use of our money? You know, they'll, they'll give it time a yeah, year or two, but maybe they'll focus on the national team. Maybe they'll focus on on the World Cup. But the, you can't the, the realize that you can't generate uh, a domestic league out of nothing. And like, so maybe you know, uh, four clubs. I'm hoping it has to do with the weather. I'm assuming it's still relatively hot in Saudi Arabia. It's October now. I want to see what these attendances are like in December. But the fact that you spend a billion yeah. and then you go down 15 percent so far, not good. Not good, Jules. That brings us to an end. Oh, already. I'm going to be back on Monday, oh, this International Football. You're taking a well-deserved yeah. break. Uh, until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, 
the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 